Welcome to the teaching ministry of Jubilee Church International. Jubilee is devoted to making disciples, winning the lost to Christ, building strong families, and taking the gospel to the nations. Open your Bibles and join us as the presence of the Holy Spirit helps us to grow a little deeper. Even though getting up and meeting somebody and forcing yourself to go greet somebody, meet somebody, for some of you it may have been out of your comfort zone, but even still, you put a smile on and you go and you make yourself vulnerable and you open up the door of fellowship to somebody, right? And it's pretty safe in here because we know we're all here for the same reason. We came because we love Jesus. Yes. Amen. It's a little different when you're out there in the workplace and in the world. And there's folks that uh, they're dropping F-bombs one minute. And the Holy Spirit says, now you go minister to them. Or you pick them up on the highway and they don't smell very good. And they got their big old can of beer. And God says, buy them a burger to go with their beer. So that I can minister life to them. Now please don't take me wrong. I'm not saying you ever compromise the integrity of the gospel. I, I've been in churches where they preach. Well, you know, Paul said be all things to all men. That you might win some to Christ. And so, you know, I went and smoked weed with this guy. So I can minister to him. No, 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 no. God doesn't violate one principle or he doesn't compromise the immoral integrity of the gospel to witness to people but he does meet them where they're at amen, amen. with love yes. they will know you are my disciples not rabbi jones is over there or rabbi smith's They'll know not that you go to this church or that church by the, the, the business card you hand out or the ink pen that's got your church web address on it. They will know you are my disciples by your love. What love? This love. This love of Christ one to another. So here's the point. What we think we have bought the lie even in the church that we compromise the, the integrity of the gospel. We compromise, we water the gospel down so that we might make the gospel palatable to a perverse world. And, and, and you can't do that. Because what you do is you deny the power of the gospel that actually sets them free. Amen. Come on, give me an amen, Steve. Steve, Steve, Steve knows what I'm talking about. You deny the power of the gospel that sets them free. How many of you know the gospel of Christ is confrontational? The cross and the blood that flows from Calvary is confrontational. But you can't have change without confrontation. You must confront sin. But you confront it with the love of Christ. And the love of Christ doesn't compromise the gospel. We've got it all messed up. So let me, you know, I watched as some of you went and you fellowshiped. 
Amen. You were fellowshipping one with another. And I noticed some of you, you've only met one or two people and then you got into a conversation. And you, and you, you just got to fellowshipping, right? It's easy to do in the light, isn't it? But watch this. You cannot fellowship in darkness. You can't fellowship in this. If I were to ask you to get up now and go greet somebody, go meet somebody you don't know. Some of you get hurt. You'd hurt somebody. Listen to me. You would either get hurt or you would hurt somebody. Leave the lights off. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not, do not be unequally yoked. That means connected to, bound with. Don't go in the same bondage that they are in. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with the idols? For we are the temple of the living God as God has said. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. You can only fellowship in the light. You can only fellowship in the light. You can't fellowship in the darkness. It just doesn't work. And, and why does the church keep trying to do it? We keep trying to take the fellowship of Christ into the darkness by going into the dark and, and, and compromising the fellowship of Christ. You can't do it. Jesus preached with parables. What we just did today in the darkness... With the light, pretty big contrast, isn't it? Yes. How many of you, your eyes had to adjust when the lights flicked back on? Right? That's the way it is when you come out of darkness. Because there's no hope in the darkness. There's no hope in the darkness. Watch this. Bethany was reading from Proverbs chapter 13. And she read verse 12. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh... It is a tree of life. How many of you know the tree of life was in the Garden of Eden? Who knows who the tree of life was? The tree of life had his name. His name was Jesus. Jesus was the tree of life, the eternal nature of God, the very spoken word of God that holds all things in existence and nothing exists except by the word of God. Jesus, the tree of life. That's why he said we have to cast them out of the garden in this perverse, fallen state, this rebellious state. Least they partake of the tree of life and live eternally separated from the Creator. Jesus was always the answer of the tree of life. But if you look in context, in verse 8, Proverbs chapter 13 verse 8 says... The ransom of a man's life are his riches, but the poor heareth not rebuke. The light of the righteous rejoiceth, but the lamp of the wicked 
shall be put out. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well advised is wisdom. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. And hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. But he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. Do you see how hope deferred makes the heart sick? Do you see how this fits in context? It all fits together. The law of the wise, verse 14, is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Verse 15, this is where we're going to build on this morning. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Look at that. We lost it. Where did it go? (laughs) That's all right. They'll get it back up. Just come back up here and turn the projector back on. When we turn the lights off... uh, Killed all the power. <laughs> you know, there's another parable right there. When the lights, when they're not in the light, you lose all the power. You know, I was looking, there was a video. I wanted to get a video of, of some miracles and healings and things back in the old days of the early, you know, move of spirit filled movement. And, and, and I looked up several of the old revivalists and who had the big tent meetings and had all the miracles and healings that followed them. And I looked them up and I thought something in my spirit said, you better go check in before you use some of those videos and, and kind of look at their bibliographies or their biographies, not bibliographies, their biographies. Bibliography in the back of their book. Amen. But their biographies. And, and, and it's just kind of looking at what they were going through. What they were dealing with. And you know what I saw? Many of them, if I name their, I'm not going to name their names. Because that's not relevant. But the point is, many of them were alcoholics. Many of them, if I named their names, you would be, you'd just be blown away. What? Yeah. You know, and I, I got to asking the Lord, why? Why were so many of them struggling with alcoholism? I mean, the miracles were following their meetings. All that, and he said, here's what the Lord told me. Because they built reputations on what I did. And so in order to sustain their reputation, they had to do in their own, they had to try to manufacture in their own strength what only I could do. And so only a few percentage of the miracles in their meetings were really miracles for me. And they had to find ways to try to sustain their reputation of their ministry because their whole ministry was based upon this and that and the other. I never want to get there. If we have a service and God wants to just sit silent, we'll sit silent. That's right. We want to do, we all want to be where God, I want, I don't want to have to manufacture nothing and call it the Holy Ghost. Amen. If it ain't the real deal, I don't want it. Right. Amen. Amen. I, I don't care how hard you push me on the forehead. I'm not falling out if it ain't the Holy Ghost. That's right. <laughs> what I'll do is just, exactly. I'll just brace myself. <laughs> Bring it on. 
The real deal. So that when I'm out there in the street, you better have the real deal. Come on, when your neighbor comes up to you and says, hey, I just got a report. Or your co-worker says, I just got a report. I got about two weeks to live. You better have the real deal. Hallelujah. I want the real deal. Look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 21. We're still getting there. (laughs) 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 21. And she named the child Echabod. This is a story of Eli, the priest. And Eli, the priest, had two sons who were in the lineage of the Levitical priesthood. And these two sons were taking prostitutes into the temple of God and having sex at the altar. And God comes to Eli and says, you better deal with them or I will. And Eli goes to his sons and says, now boys, you know that's not a good thing to do. Y'all need to stop that. And his boys said, whatever, old man. And they continued. Until one day, Israel goes to war. And they put the priest out front. They put Eli's sons out front. And Israel's getting their back ends whipped. They're getting beat. And Eli's sons say, you know what's missing? We're missing that ark thing. Let's go back and get that ark thing. Because, you know, we bring that ark thing back out. And we'll start winning. That sounds so much like the church. Bring that ark thing out, man. Then God will show up. And so they bring it out and God allows it to be captured and Eli's sons to be killed. And at the moment that the messenger comes back and tells Eli that his, both of his sons have been killed, Eli falls off a chair and breaks his neck and dies. And at that same moment, Eli's daughter-in-law Gives birth to a child. And she, they said, what shall we name him? And she says, name him Echabod. Which means the glory of God has left us. And listen, when we try to substitute everything else for the glory of God. And we try to, to make everything else. We give glory to everything else. God will just. He'll just step back and say, okay, you want to praise men? Praise men. You want to exalt gifts and callings and you want to exalt ministries and, and, and programs and go ahead and exalt that. But if you exalt my name, I'll move. Yes. Amen? Amen? And so we see in the old days, we see all kinds of miracles and all kinds of things. And and here we are, years later, still struggling with the same things. Because we've yet to discern what is the glory of God and what is not. And we still try to substitute 
everything in the world and call it the glory of God. The Bible tells me that when he comes back, he's coming back for a glorious church. A glorious church. Not her glory, his glory. The Bible tells me that he made a way. Christ died on that cross. He came up out of that grave. It wasn't just he died on the cross so that your sin could be forgiven, that you could be redeemed and made clean again. Why? Why did he clean you up? So he could put his glory in you. You are the hope of God's glory in all the earth. We're waiting, so many people waiting on God's glory to show up like some big light in the sky, like UFO and close encounters of the third kind. You know? No, God's glory is in you. The presence of the Lord. Look what she said. And she named the child Ichabod. Saying, the glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God has been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. So where is the glory of the Lord today? Can this, can this culture today see the glory of the Lord in your life or in the church? Are they seeing the glory of the Lord? Not if we're compromising it. Not if we've traded it for doctrine and theology. Not if we traded it for hype and emotion and manifestations. Did the glory of God leave us as in the days of Eli and Ichabod? Has Christianity been taken captive by moral compromise and a love for the world, even within the body of Christ? Have we traded the glory of God for that of our own glory? The glory of our churches or the glory of our ministries or the glory of our own opinion. Let me tell you, more so than anything else I just spoke, I see that we have traded the glory of God for our own opinions. We've traded the glory of God for our politics. For our own affirmation. We've traded the glory of God. Look with me in Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew 13, Jesus teaches us many parables. And I believe that the intent and the telling of a parable can be understood by an acronym that spells it out. Joshua, can you put that that slide up there? The parables slide. There it is. Parable. Let's look at it first. I believe that we are supposed to be living parables of Jesus. If you if you look up the word parable in the dictionary, the result is it says a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson as told by Jesus in the Gospels. That's the dictionary definition. In the Greek, the word is pere, uh, para, uh, para ba, bio, to set alongside. Now you understand discipleship and why Jesus taught parables. But I believe it can be explained more appropriately by the acronym. Practical application read aloud by living each statute. 
Amen. In other words, daily, the greatest parable you can tell today is living the life of Christ. The most powerful parable. You say, well, I don't know a lot of parables and, and Aesop fables and, and this and that. The greatest, most powerful parable you can share today is the life is living the life of Jesus Christ. Every day and letting them see it. Look at some of the parables in Matthew 13. Jesus gives there in, in, in verses 4 through um, 9. He gives the parable of the seeds and the sower. We see different parts of that. If you look another parable, let's look at um, look at verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear. Nor do they what? Understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. Amen. In verse 19, he goes on and explains the parable that he had previously given of the, given of the sower. And he breaks that down in verses 19 through verse 23. But I want you to go over this morning with me to Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. It says, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. It just doesn't become any kind of tree. It becomes a tree of life. In other words, when you begin to gain understanding of this man named Jesus, amen, when you truly grab hold of the gospel of Christ, it changes you. It transforms you. It become, you become a living parable of the tree of life. Then we see in verse 36, he, he breaks the parable down again. But look over in verse, let's go to verse 44. Matthew 13, verse 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a treasure hidden in a field. Which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. In verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who can, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. And then again, in verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven. Do you see a pattern here? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like, he wasn't, uh, you know, one of those valley, valley guys, you know, like, 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 you know, like, you know, no, the kingdom of heaven is like, what's he talking about? The kingdom of heaven. I'm going to show you here in a moment. Verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. 
So it will be at the close of the age that the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. Oh no, I thought we're all God's children. No. No. We're all God's creation, but He separates that which is wicked from that which is righteous. That which is called by His name, that which is not. Look what he says. And throw them into the fiery furnace in that place. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, that's not very nice. Not very tolerant. Folks, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. The gospel, well, you mean the gospel is hell and brimstone? No, the gospel is the life and the hope and the salvation of a Savior, Jesus Christ. But men will not realize and come to the the revelation that they need a Savior if you don't show them the contrast of what is not righteous. If our righteousness looks like their wickedness and their wickedness looks like our righteousness... How they ever going? Why do they need your savior? Why do they need a savior? But look at the ver- next one, verse fifty-one. Have you understood? Look how he starts. Have you understood? Parables were intended. To bring the divine intent of spiritual principles and righteous precepts to a level of practical understanding that they may be applied to daily living. Parables were an essential part of discipleship. This is how the law of Moses was given. It was given in response to the commands of God as God addressed how they were living each and every day. And in his righteousness, they lived to worship him. In unrighteousness, they lived to worship something else. And the problem with applying an ancient path of discipleship demonstrated by Jesus in modern day Christianity is that everyone professing their own eclectic form of Christianity demands their right to live however they want. Liberated in their own liberated independence from any sense of moral obligation. So how is it that we can live an alternative, live alternative lifestyles and have alternative lifestyles when God has clearly defined how we should live in his righteousness? How can you say you love Jesus, but it's okay to sin a little bit? What? Who told you that lie? Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Then quit sinning. Quit sinning. Well, how can you be a practicing witch for Jesus? That's the new thing. Have you seen it? If you're on Facebook, you've seen it. It's the new thing. Professing that Jesus was a sorcerer. I think Philip dealt with that mess. 
didn't he? <laughs> Paul dealt with that. He called them out on it. But there are folks who really think that you can be a witch and a Christian. Why? Well, in today's culture, you can. But they don't make it right, does it? It's not the truth. It's a lie from hell. Be a follower of Jesus and be a witch. That's like a butcher deciding, deciding he's a brain surgeon. See, there's a whole lot of Christian impersonators both in and outside the church today. Whole lot of Christian impersonators. And throughout Matthew 13, Jesus speaks many parables as a tool to developing the discipleship culture around him. The parables would eventually reveal those who sought truth and those who did not. Those who desired real understanding and those who were content with just a little dab of religion. The ones who would follow him to the end and those who had no clue who he really was or what he was really all about. But by using parables, unlike most of the other rabbis, see, in Jesus' day, most of the other rabbis, here's what you got if you were a disciple, a, a disciple of just Rabbi Jones over there. Rabbi, you know, whoever, you would go and you would sit and you would read the law. And they would give you their dissertation on the law. That was it. That was discipleship. You just sit and you got other uh, men's opinions on the law. And that's pretty much all you got. You just, the plain text. But Jesus is fulfilling messianic prophecy. Let me show you why Jesus used parables. Look with me in, in Psalms chapter 78, verse 1 through 4. See, the other rabbis didn't use a lot of parables. But Jesus did. And he used parables that were relevant to where the people were. Jesus is fulfilling Messianic prophecy. Psalms chapter 78 verse 1 through 4. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. For I will open my mouth in a parable. And I will utter dark sayings from of old things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. In other words, things that they've heard and known but didn't understand. Amen. We will not hide them from their children. But tell, but tell to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might. And the wonders that He has done. So basically, you can settle for religious subscription. You know, just like you subscribe to Reader's Digest or Publisher's Clearinghouse. Or you can choose to be a disciple, a true follower of Christ. You see, what, what's happening here is from Noah, Abraham, Moses, and Joshua, all the way to the generations of Jesus' day, all the miraculous things that God had done from providing a lamb in the bush with Abraham to parting the Red Sea with Moses to bringing down the walls and giving victory over Jericho to Joshua. All of this stuff had, had only been passed down through the stories. It had been passed down 
through all these years. And so they had knowledge of it, but they had no understanding. They had a form of the knowledge of the glory of God, but no real understanding of the glory of God. They had the law and all the stories, but all they could do is just pass them along from story to story. They were just, they were nothing. And there was no power in them. Till Jesus comes along and says, guys, I was there. I was the one who parted the Red Sea. I was the one who brought down the walls of Jericho. I was the one, I was the one in Genesis that said, let there be, and there was. I was the cloud that hovered over Israel when Pharaoh was breathing down their neck. I was their deliverer. I was the one who delivered them. I was the one who delivered Gideon. I was the one who delivered Joshua. I was the one. And so he brought something to the stories that hadn't been there since they first happened. Do you understand that? That's why God chose to make His glory dwell in you. That's why He wants you to be not just a Christian, but a disciple. That's why He wants you to do more than just sit in church and hear a sermon. But, but for that Word to come alive in you. That's what it means for the Word to come alive in you. To have more than just a knowledge of it. Well, yeah, you know, I went and I heard some professors and they, they told me this was this what the scripture under you know meant and this and that. No. So much more than that. Yeah, you need the understanding, but then you need the Holy Ghost to make it come alive. Come on, you need a real understanding of this man, Jesus. He's not just some external doctrinal concept. He's an inward dwelling, living part of God in you. Wow. Now the Messiah had come to cause the people to recall the wonderful deeds of the Lord God in more than stories, but in understanding that would be made manifest in the glory of Christ right before their very eyes in their day. See, many of the parables, as we saw the pattern here. Remember, as we study Scripture, we look for precepts, principles, patterns, promises, processes. Amen. I call it the five P's. Process. Uh, yeah, I said it. They reveal to us the nature, the intent, and the will of God. They open understanding through the Holy Spirit. Listen, Jesus was presenting a pattern here. The kingdom of heaven. Here's what he means. The kingdom of heaven. What did he mean by this? In the Hebrew, the word kingdom is mamlaka. Mamlaka. Meaning the reign of a king. Listen to the. He keeps saying, he gives these parables, and he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. He's talking about the reign of a king, the dominion of a king, the sovereignty of a king is as this right here. It comes from the root word, malak, meaning to establish a throne, to set up 
and rule. And so we see Jesus demonstrating the very same intent of God as did Moses in Exodus 19. Look there with me. Exodus 19 verses 4 through 7. He says, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. And how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And we took that to mean we were supposed to put on a collar and a big fish hat and wave stuff around. No, that's not what God was trying to establish. He's trying to, to restore us into the original design and intent of intimate relationship with God the Father that the glory of God may fill the earth. And so Moses came and called the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. In other words, God said, this is my purpose. This is my intent. This is what I desire. This is what I want to do with you. Will you, if you will obey my commandments, if you'll follow in my path, if you'll stand the design, says the Lord, which I've said before you, if you'll walk in my righteousness, this is what I'll do for you. And they said, we'll do it, God. They said, yes. Yes. We'll do it. The Hebrew word for heaven, let's look at that. Shamaim. In one context, meaning the vault containing the celestial bodies. But yet, in the, in another con, in the other context, in the Hebrew, Shamaim refers to the place where the presence of God dwells. So in the context of the parables of Jesus, he's not talking about the kingdom of clouds. He's not saying the kingdom of heaven is this. He's not talking about clouds where the birds fly. And that blue, blue thing you see when you look up. What's he talking about? He's talking about the place where God's presence dwells. He's referring to those who bear fruit of the identity of the Messiah and his lordship and those who do not. So you cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ and be a witch. You can't be a follower. Of, how many of you agree with that? You cannot profess to be a follower of Christ and be a witch. Okay. Y'all good with that one, right? Well, let, let me keep going. You might not be so good with it. How about a follower of Christ and a condoner of sexual perversion? How about a follower of Christ and okay with murdering children in the womb? No. no? Oh, but we churches are full of them. Because our politics trump our moral integrity of our, of our gospel. We forget that. 
How about this? Can you be a follower of Jesus and a bigot? Uh oh. How about a follower of Jesus and a habitual liar? How about a follower of Jesus and a gossip? A drunkard? Smoke a little weed every now and then. Smoking a doobie for Jesus. So what we're saying here, folks, is you cannot live as a pagan while professing Christ. You can't. You can't continue to live as a pagan and yet profess Christ. Otherwise, you have not come to the true revelation of who he is. You have concluded an assumption of who he is. And I'm, going to, I'm here to tell you that so many professing Christians today are living based on an assumption of Christ that they have developed. And that's all religion can do. Religion can only assume because it has no glory. It doesn't have the glory of God in it. Because it's man-serving, it's man-made, it's self-serving. So each parable that Jesus gives reveals both the person and the purpose of Jesus as the Messiah and an understanding of the sovereign lordship of Christ over all things. In one parable, the Messiah is looking for disciples who bear fruit of righteousness, having been transformed by the word of God. In another parable, the disciple is one who grows into a tree that draws others into its refuge and redemptive work of the Messiah. In another, the true identity of the Messiah is revealed and is valued so much that the disciple is willing to give up everything to go follow him. See, I've, I've heard so many say we've turned these parables into everything but Jesus. Jesus in every one of these parables is talking about your relationship with Him. Your pursuit of Him. Your, your surrender to His sovereign lordship of, your, of His life. Of, of, of your life. Living His life. Of the price that He's paid. In another parable, this Messiah gets right, sets right the law of God and separates the righteous from the wicked from God, by God's standard. Yet even in even in parable in the parable of verse 51 and 52, let's go back there. Matthew 13, 51 and 52. This this wraps it all up right here. This sums it all up. Have you, after he tells all of these parables to his disciples? Now, these parables, he was not just speaking to the masses, though they were present. I believe these parables he was speaking as he spoke earlier to the disciples. He said, I speak to them in parables because of mysteries. That they, because they don't have the eyes to see and the ears to understand. But you, I'm speaking these parables to you because you, you've been given the responsibility to understand them. And so in verse 51... He says this right here. Have you understood? Have you understood these parables and all that I've taught you? And they said to him emphatically, what? Yes. Just like Israel told God. Oh, yes. Yes, we understand God. Oh, do you? 
Oh, do you? Well, you know what? Maybe four years, 400 years in Egypt will help you understand. Maybe captivity to the Assyrians. Maybe that'll help you understand. Oh, but God, we understand. Listen to what they said. Yes, Jesus, we have complete understanding. And he said to them, okay, then. Let me leave you one last little parable. Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. Do you know what he just said to them? Oh, you may not, you may think you understand. But when it's all said and done, Peter, and you're hanging on that cross upside down, James, when they make you kneel and they chop your head off, you understand then. We'll see if you understand. When it really costs you something to follow me, I'll see if you understand. Do you understand? I'm not talking about being a martyr. I'm talking about Jesus saying, okay, you say you understand, Peter, James, John, all my disciples, all my nice little followers there. You say you understand. Listen, when the time comes and it really costs you to follow me, we'll see how well you understand. Because let me tell you something. Jesus paid a high price for you, but for to follow him, if it doesn't cost you anything, you ain't following him. You're not following Him. If it's not costing you every day, deny thyself. Take up thy cross. Follow me. What's the first two things He said? It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Wow. Have you understood these things? They all responded, yes. As if he were asking them if they like figs. You like figs? Oh, yes. Did you understand what I just said? Oh, yes. You like gummy bears? Oh, yes. (laughs) This is a large portion of the body of Christ today. If I ask, do you truly love Christ? The reply is emphatically... Oh, yes. And so Jesus responds, therefore, every scribe who has been trained. For what? For the kingdom of heaven. Who's the kingdom of heaven? Jesus. The sovereign reign, the authority, the dominion, the rule of his lordship. Those who have been trained for this sovereign authority over their life. Is like a master of a house who brings out the treasures, what is new and what is old. In other words, I'm going to deal with it all. What do you mean by this? The word scribe is the Hebrew word chafar, meaning to count the cost. Do you hear me? See, we hear the word scribe and we think, oh, that just means the guy who, who, who takes dictation, who writes good stuff down. No, no, no. The word scribe in Hebrew means to count the cost. To take account and to declare. 
The word trained is yakar, meaning to be corrected, admonished, instructed, and disciplined. So Christian, what say you? Do you understand all these things? From Genesis to Revelation, do you understand all these things? Do you understand the epistles? Do you bear the fruit of the Messiah in the tabernacle? The Messiah in the womb of a virgin daughter of Israel? Have you taken into account the choices and the actions and the attitudes and the intents and the motives of your heart and the life and your life in the light of a Christ who was crucified, who bled and died for your forgiveness? Do you understand these things? It's the power of the Holy Ghost through a risen Lord evident in your life. Is it visibly declaring His glory to another generation? Do you understand who Jesus is? I've been a Christian a long time, Pastor. But do you understand who He is? Let me ask it to you this way. Are you willing to allow the Word of God to take out the old you? And impart into you that you might live this new life in Christ. Let me ask it to you this way. Would you allow Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, to scribe the sovereign power of the kingdom of heaven upon your life? That you might be trained and disciplined for the work of the kingdom in this perverse and dying world? Because that's what my father just read earlier from Ephesians. He gave to the apostles, to the church, the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Those are the fivefold ministry, but they are the five natures of Jesus to be imparted into you so that you might go glorify who He is. I resolve this. Out with the old Christianity and in with a new disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm in with being a disciple. I'm out with whatever Christianity I thought I had. Whatever cultures made it, religions made it, churches made it. Listen, there's all kinds of Christianity today. You can be a witch in a Christian. and a, You can be all kinds of things in a Christian. He can, the Pope signs treaties with Islam and says we're all good to go. Ah, no. oh, folks, no I ain't following that kind of Christianity. Are you? No, 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 no. I won't be a disciple. I won't be a disciple. Out with whatever I had. Come on. Amen. That's what God's calling us to this morning. Out with whatever you've called it. Whatever you tried to make of it. If you tried to make your Christianity fit for you. And a young man the other day, he, he said to me, I said, brother. He said, well, you know, this denomination, it fits me. Oh, how sad. How sad that you're denominated. You're looking for a denomination that fits you. You've missed it. You've missed it. You're not going to find Jesus there. Come on.
God is calling us to be disciples. Amen. To disciple. To disciple disciples. Amen. Stand with me if you will. Hallelujah. I want more. I don't know about you. But I want to be. I want more than what, what I've known. I want. I want. I want the glory of God to be evident in my life. And I believe this morning, just as my father, I believe that was prophetic, Dad. That was prophetic. Pre, uh, you know, that's it. God wants to equip you. That's what it's about. You say, well, I don't know how to prophesy. Yes, you do. You know how I know you know how? Because it's very simple. Don't try to speak great words of knowledge and wisdom. Just speak words of hope and life that He's already put into your life. Thus saith the Lord, I love you. (laughs) You don't have to go any further than that. Thus saith the Lord, my God wants to speak into your life. And my Jesus, my Jesus said that He loves you. And my Jesus says, you are more than the sum of your mistakes. My Jesus said that He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. My Jesus said, that's all you got to do, folks. And God will take care of the rest. Well, I haven't been to your prophetic class. And your, and your dad's prophetic class. I haven't, you, you just got class 101, prophecy 101 right there. It never contradicts the word of God. It always is out of love. And it always brings life and hope. Amen. Prophetic 101 right there. Prophesy out of the love of the heart of the Father. And leave the rest up to the Holy Ghost. But you can't use what you don't have. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you just you just as well best read some just read read some scripture to them. Just just read it like reading a history book or something. If you ain't got the Holy Ghost, come on, come on, just if you will close your eyes this morning. Lift your hands to the Lord. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I don't even know Jesus. I don't even know Him. I thought I knew Him. I thought I did. I thought I knew Him. I knew Him through ideas. I know, I know Him through what I read or what I've heard. I know, I've known a historical concept, a religious concept. But I want to know Him. I want to know Him deeper. I want to know Him I want to truly know Him. Come on, that's your heart this morning. Come on, I invite you to come to this altar right now. Come on, Jesus wants to meet with you. Jesus wants to meet with you. Jesus wants to reveal Himself to you anew in your life this morning. Jesus wants you to know Him. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, that's all I've known is religion. I've, I've had just kind of a superficial knowledge of, of, of the things of Christ, the gospel, but I want the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Come on, you hear this morning, you say, I, I, Pastor, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit that the glory of God may be evident in my life. Come on, that's you this morning. Come, come, come on. The Holy Spirit wants to meet with you this morning. The Holy Spirit wants to take you beyond where you've stood To a place where you can know God. Know His heart and His heart 
flow through you. Come on, I'm going to give one more call this morning. You're here this morning. Say, Pastor, I want to be used. I want to be used. I want God to speak through me. Whether it's at Walmart, Walgreens, wherever it's at. Whether it's in my workplace or my neighbor. God, I want to be used. I want you to speak through me. I want you to use me. I want to step outside my comfort zone. And I want the Holy Ghost to just move through my life. I want to take the next step of discipleship. I'm ready to go have an encounter. I'm ready to have an experience with God. By God using me to touch someone else's life. Come on, that's your heart this morning. Come. Come on, come on. God wants to release upon you an anointing this morning. I believe God is equipping and God is about to release a door of harvest. I believe there's an open harvest right now and God is opening a door door of harvest like never before. Like never before. Right now. Right now, God. Right now. Come on, Come on, let me get some ushers. Come on, Come on, right now. God, man, this is what the Holy Spirit's been waiting on. He's just looking for willing vessels to be used right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your hand, son. God wants to touch you right now. God wants to use you to reach out. You've seen so much. And, and you, your heart has been broken for those who are troubled. But the Lord says, I put a heart of compassion in you. I put a desire to see others free. Come on, the Lord says, I can use you. You don't have to wait till you're 22. I use you right now, says the Lord God. Speak the words that I put in you. Come on, let the love of the Father rise up within this young man right now and be released, Lord, in the anointing right now. Lord, use my mama everywhere she goes, Walmart, wherever it is, even on the phone. Come on, mama, I hear, I hear the Lord saying, He's going to even use you on phone calls. I don't know who's talking to. I don't know if it's telemarketers, what. But God says He's going to begin. I see telemarketers coming to Jesus. Come on, Jesus, right now. In the name of Jesus, release the anointing. Lord, equip right now. Lord, stir that desire. Lord, open the door. Send them to her. Send them to her. Send them to her. Send them to Him right now. Lord, in in co-op, everywhere He goes. Lord, may you put the words of truth in him. Lord, he's got understanding. Lord, release understanding. Release the anointing, the prophetic anointing that is the generational uh, assignment upon his life, God. We release that generational prophetic assignment that nothing will silence it, quench it. Lord, draw it back. But Lord, that his mouth opens when you say speak, God. Do it, Father. Lord, do it right now in her workplace, God. Lord, to seal the deal of every heart that is ripe and ready. Lord, I'm telling you from Jordan to Stephanie, every one of them right now, bring them in. God, use her. Come on, I hear the Lord saying, you say, well, but I just get them to church. The Lord says, you know what? A Holy Ghost can show up right there in your workplace on the lunch hour. Anytime you open the door. Come on, the Lord says, right now I can speak through you. I can use you. Come on, do it, God. Do it, God, right there in the workplace, on the flight line, in yes, the, in the, yes, at the God. computer, in the yes, cubicle, God. wherever yes, it's God. at. God, let the prophetic anointing be released upon her to speak life and hope, Lord, in Jesus' name. The Lord says He's going to cause you to listen for any opportunity. To take anything they say and turn it into an opportunity. And the Lord says, you just be released the love of the Father. Don't, and the anointing is just going to take over. Do it, Father. Lord, do it right now in Jesus' name. 
Come on, I see patience to come into Christ in Jesus' name. In that, in that uh, assisted living, I hear the Holy Spirit. I, I just sense the Holy Spirit's going to move right there, even in your office, and it's going to flow over into that assisted living facility. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, prophetic anointing that yes, comes God. with such tenderness and compassion, but speaks such hope and life. Do it, Father. Do it, Father, in every area of his family. Oh, Jesus, there's an anointing coming right now upon the whole, the whole lineage, says the Lord God. The workplace is about to be a harvest. The workplace is about to be a harvest. Oh, come on, I see it. The workplace is about to be a harvest. Atheism is going to just lose its crutch. It's going to, there's a discontentment. There's a desire God's releasing right now. Even in those who claim they have no desire. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, do it, Father. Jesus, do it right now. Everywhere she turns, come on, I hear the Lord say that God is continuing a work that even your mother and father started in your family. I see nieces and nephews coming to Christ. This is a year. This is a day. God says He's going to give you prophetic words to speak into their life, their life and hope. And, and, and come on. And, and listen, sin has no response to love. It just has no response to it. But the love of the Father is going to cast out all confusion. Do it, Father. Do it, Father, everywhere she turns in her living, we're in her neighborhood right now. Come on, everywhere she turns, God. Lord, release that gift, that prophetic anointing right now. In the name of Jesus, do it, God. Do it, God. Do it, God. Everywhere they go, release that prophetic anointing. Come on, do it, Jesus. Come on. You're doing it. Just keep pressing. Keep doing it. Everywhere you go. I see revival in your... What's the name of your workplace? Cameron. Cameron? Cameron, come to Jesus. The whole company. I Come on, Lord, give her prophetic words for the for the CEO, the CIO, the every O there is, God. Lord, give her prophetic impartation. Give her opportunity even to the owners. Lord, it's stakeholders. Come on. Shut up, I don't underestimate what I'm going to do through you. Come on, Holy Ghost, do it right now. The equipping right now. The teaching. Come on, I hear the Lord saying, He's going to begin to release a teaching anointing upon you, Drew. A teaching anointing, understanding, imparting understanding. Come on, do it, Father, right now. In Jesus' name. Release it, God. Release the equipping right now. Equipper, God. The Lord says, don't limit yourself. Don't limit what I can do through you. Come on, the Lord says, I've put those around you. There are those who are hurting. Some of it you see. But I'm going to cause you to see into their lives. And to see things where they're hurting. And things that are going on in their life. And I'm going to cause you just to speak words of hope. And come on, I see a harvest coming. First to your family and even to other places around you, Father. Right now, in Jesus' name, do it. Lord, release that equipping, that anointing right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, Father. Come on, Father. Father, touch her right now. Everywhere she turns. I see family members. Lord, speaking, giving ear. I hear the Lord say there are those that would not give ear before, but they're going to give ear, says the Lord God. They're going to give ear. They're going to be, there's going to be a desire to hear something that's true. 
something that has truth in it, something that has truth in it. Do it, God. Do it, God. Do it, God, right now in the name of Jesus. I claim her father for the kingdom, her father's girlfriend for the kingdom. Come on, what's your father's name? Francisco. Huh? Francisco. 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 It's time to come to Jesus. It's time to come to Jesus. Francisco, it's time. It's time. It's time. God, do it right now in Jesus' name. Her brothers, Lord, every family. Lord, everywhere she goes, use her, God. Equip her, Lord. Put the prophetic anointing. Put the prophetic anointing in the psalm. Put the prophetic anointing. Lord, to all she comes encounter with. God, do it right now. Come on, in the right to life and everywhere she goes. God, I, I claim more who were who, who were who were planning to have an abortion, but God, they changed their mind and they come to Jesus Christ. Do it, God. Do it, God. Use her, God. Use her, God, right now. Release that understanding. Come on, the Lord says He's He's put a lot of knowledge and a lot of understanding in you. And, and the Lord says, I didn't give it to just lay dormant. Come on, I'm going to start connecting the dots to where they are practical and their application and they bring life. And come on, it's, it's going to be more than just expounding on Scripture and understanding. God's going to begin to flow. The spirit of the Scripture is about to flow through you like never before. God, release it in Jesus' name. God, release it right now in the name of Jesus. Do it, God. A fresh anointing. A fresh anointing. Every fear, every insecurity broken right now in the name of Jesus. But Lord, I'm not tenacious. I'm not charismatic. I'm not this. Lord says, I don't need you to be something. I need you to just be mine, says the Lord God. Just be willing, says the Lord. Come on, there's the same anointing. There's anointing on you to just very simply speak truth. Come on, it doesn't have to be some loud, boisterous thing. It's just there are those that God's about to send to you along your path. Even on the college campus, God's going to begin to use you. Come on, God, speak through him right now. Release the anointing. Speak through them right now in the name of Jesus. Release that anointing, Father, in Jesus' name. Come on, let the word of God, that prophetic anointing on both of them, that evangelistic anointing is about to take a whole new level, Julia. God says the evangelistic anointing is about to step into a level of mature, mature impartation and release and manifestation right now in Jesus' name. Do it, God. Do it, God. Oh, Kevin, there's such an anointing God's releasing upon you. God, use him, equip him, mold him, shape him, God, into the man of God, of faith, of power. God's going to put his word alive in you. And there's going to be such a desire God's releasing to hunger for understanding of His Word far beyond just some scriptural theology, but goal just to see Jesus in everywhere you turn. Come on, whether it's in the Old Testament, New Testament, wherever it is, you're going to, God's going to begin to reveal Jesus to you straight out of the Scripture. Straight out of the Scripture. It's just going to come alive like never before. Come on, Jesus. And come on, God says, I'm going to cause you to speak with such authority, such authority, such authority, the things of God into the lives that are hurt and broken. God, release it right now. Use it. Open those doors. 
Open those doors. Open those. Bring those across this path. I see bank game bangers coming to Jesus. I see dope dealers coming to Jesus. I see, I see family members who are hard and hurt and their lives are just so dysfunctional. That's all they've ever known. I see family members who are bound in Islam and other things and they think that, that, that religion is who they are. But God says He's fixing to use you. Set them free. Set them free. Jesus, the very Jesus you that is revealed in Scripture is about to be revealed in you into their lives. Do it, God, right now in the name of Jesus. Do it, Father. Come on, lift your hand. You've been filled with the Holy Ghost? Huh? At some point, every day. Every day. Father, I just, just a fresh imparting of the Holy Ghost right now. Fresh outpouring. Lord, just blow. Just, I just hear the, see the Lord like oil pouring down, just filling you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Do it, God, right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord some praise. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, I want so much more. Come on, how many of you are serious about Jesus? It's time to take on the family business. It's time to mean business. Say that with me. Say it's time to mean business about Jesus and His business. Amen. I don't know about you, but it's time to quit playing church and just being an average. I don't want to be an average Christian. I didn't like sitting on a bench on a football field. I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand just being a common soldier. I wanted to jump out of something, kill something. And I am not going to be a common Christian. There's a sovereign assignment upon your life. And when you grab hold of the truth and the reality of Jesus, when you begin to understand who He really is, then your sovereign assignment awakens to you and you will never be the same. You will not ever settle for a common Christianity. You'll never settle just for a church service or just to meet somebody in the street and go, oh yeah, you know Jesus? Yeah, I know Jesus. Oh, well, that's nice. Good. No, 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 no. No, do you know Jesus? Have you encountered Him? Come on. I don't want to be a common Christian. Be about Father's business. Amen. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Father, thank You this morning for the impartation, the activation. Come on, God is activating you right now. God says, I'm activating you. I'm flipping on a switch. I'm activating something in you right now. I'm flipping the switch on. I'm activating the glory of God in your life. The glory of God has just been activated in your life today. I believe by the word of the Lord today, the glory of God has been activated in your life. Now take it to the lost. Take it to those who think they know me. Take the glory of God to them. To it, Jesus. To it, Jesus. Amen. Give the Lord some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.